0: listening to Lead Defend, the podcast designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of your young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build your faith as you engage in a changing culture. Here are your hosts, Seth Tucker and Ryan Scantling. Hey Seth, we're here today at the Arkansas Baptist State Convention annual meeting. And uh, basically, it's just a lot of ministry leaders and things from around the state. We've got Bobby Thomas here with us, and he is the president and CEO of the Arkansas Baptist Foundation. We don't really know what that means, but we do
1: know that Bobby's going to talk to us about stewardship as a young adult. Cool. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate you guys having me. Uh, No one knows what that means. That's part of the creativity (laughs) of it. No. Uh, Certainly (laughs) pleased to uh, lead the ministry that's known as the Arkansas Baptist Foundation. we're actually celebrating 70 years today at this meeting. The foundation was created 70 years ago to carry out uh, stewardship wishes and the intent of the convention. So glad to be here. It's incredible. Give us give us a, a brief description of what the Arkansas Baptist Foundation exists to do. Okay, so originally we were created as a gift processor. So Arkansas Baptist had a desire to fund things uh, like scholarships. Uh, for students as well as mission projects and they were like okay who's gonna process this who's gonna facilitate mm. these gifts as you can imagine 70 years ago oftentimes that was in the shape of land and farms and all kinds of different assets that really the convention or a local church was not equipped to handle and so the foundation was created to handle those things and so really stewardship was at the very beginning of the foundation's existence and just cooperation, cooperating with churches broadly, cooperating with our convention. Um, That's grown into a lot of different things. We still process gifts on behalf of the convention. We still administer scholarships. We still hold farm and land and those type things for the benefit of churches. Um, But it's also grown into how can we speak into biblical financial stewardship for for lay Arkansas Baptists and more specifically, for young pastors and folks that are in denominational service. How can we speak into that?
0: Absolutely. Hey, we want to get to the topic of stewardship
1: uh, down the road, but, but I want to first ask this question. How, how in the world did you get into this position? Yeah, that's an interesting. So I had a 22-month transition. I was named president-elect in May of 2013, uh, became president in March of 2015. But what's interesting, I've been in every foundation board meeting since February of 2000. Wow. So I've been in... Uh, nearly 19 years of them I think uh, this November will be my 80th consecutive wow. foundation board member board meeting uh, but I was the outside investment council so I mm. basically served as an investment parliamentarian I told the foundation board and staff what they could or couldn't do with someone else's money based <laughs> okay. on the laws and policies that were already in place and it, what's
2: incredible is Bobby's been doing this since, since he was 12 exactly okay because yeah. I mean he, he couldn't be a day over 30.
0: and so yeah. what, what was the moment Thanks. when you were in high school college and you're like I want to work in finances
1: Well, it's interesting. So, um, first-generation college, my parents were teenagers. Uh, Actually, my dad dropped out of high school in the 10th grade. Uh, They got married the summer before my mom's senior year. Literally, I walked across the stage at West Memphis High School in my mom's womb, if you will. I guess I can say that, right? You can. Uh, You walked across the the stage twice. Yeah, that's right, twice. So, once in 75, once in 94. (laughs) Uh, But anyway... um, and so there really was not a lot of framework for advanced education or much less finance. I mean, yeah. you know, again, uh, very kind of humble beginnings. Uh, but early on, uh, I'm a numbers dork and I really like math and I've always really liked math. And so um, I decided to study finance at UCA. Okay, I was in the arts college at UCA. And I uh, had the opportunity to start an internship at Merrill Lynch my second semester of college. And really that turned into a 20 year career Wow. At Merrill Lynch. So it was through an internship that
0: right. kind of these doors opened and you said, wow, this is something I'm passionate about. Uh, so h- how would you say that
1: that passion kind of mixes with calling? Right. And so I certainly had an affinity for numbers and a desire to help folks. Um, and so I it started out with progressing through um, certified financial planner designation, working with individuals. I quickly learned I really didn't enjoy that part as much yeah. uh, when you work with an individual around money they can always say hey it's my money it's kind of like it's my ball I'm going to take it and go home mm. if you will and so they don't always have to listen uh, so I so I thought actually I wanted to get involved in international finance next and so I actually went and got an international trade degree from Oxford wow uh, so I went across the pond if you will uh, I don't use that today uh, so I just, I've got it I've got a plaque on the wall that says I have it not but,
2: Oxford Alabama
1: but not Oxford, Mississippi, even. Uh, that, but yeah, not even there. yeah, yeah. I didn't Across know Across the an Oxford, pond. Alabama, Oxford. Yeah. So. so anyway, and so, <laughs> um, so that was a great experience. I thought I would be stationed somewhere in London or somewhere like that, long term with Merrill Lynch International. But uh, I ended up settling in about the last 12 to 15 years of my career at Merrill Lynch as nonprofit consulting. I ended up well, going, getting, getting a, a more advanced degree at, at uh, the Wharton School at Penn in institutional consulting, specifically nonprofits. And what I learned was is that really nonprofits, because of the way they're treated within our tax code, they're given an exempt status, there really is an expectation of stewardship. There's yeah. really an expectation that they will carry out the gifts that they receive well in line with their non with their non-taxable, their exempt purpose. And so the next step for me in that was seeing that guess what? Those are there's nonprofit charities, if you will, in Baptist life. I was ba- I was baptized and raised at First Baptist West Memphis. Uh, Tommy Henson was actually the pastor there then, mm-hmm. um, and so I thought, you know what? There's there's entities in Baptist life that are just like these nonprofit clients of mine at Merrill that have these same challenges, these same expectations. Um, my wife's a Washita grad, so I'm a Tiger by marriage, if you will, and so there was a natural affinity to want to kind of help Washita and help other entities. And really, Dan Jordan, the longtime business administrator at the convention is who begin to help me unpack and see how can I use some of this equipping, how can I use some of these things that I just have a passion wow. about in a ministry setting.
2: Yeah. So, now, we're going to be using the word stewardship, which we've already used a few times, but, I, I, you know, it's not a common word in today's language. So right. c- give us give us the definition of stewardship okay. and, and, and
1: how stewardship is essential in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay, great. I, I think we're all challenged as stewards, stewards. To uh, exhibit good stewardship in the way that we manage our times, talents, and financial resources. Those are kind of the three areas that I think Scripture specifically speaks into, the Baptist faith and message speaks into. Uh, There's a dedicated section that talks about how really we are to be held accountable for how we handle both time, our talents, uh, whether it be our spiritual gifts, as well as financial issues.
0: Yeah, and so so you talk about stewardship, and, and we're really speaking into the hearts of young adults in a clear way on this podcast. So so a lot of them don't have a lot of money,
1: and right. so how, how does stewardship work in their life specifically with the time and talents? Okay, so again, you find yourself in a season where we all have an equivalent amount of time, right? We've mm-hmm. all got seven yeah. days yeah. a week, 24 hours a day, and so having some discipline in the way of your time and how you're using your time, and just the premise that today, you know, we only get a chance to live this today. and so. We want to we want to make good use of that. We want to look back and see that, that we've achieved something today. And so part of that's basic time management, having some discipline. Um, it's kind of like the the daily spiritual disciplines that we should exercise in yeah. uh, reading our Bible and praying and, and whatnot. Uh, those are also should be in place in how we handle our time. When we look back and say cumulatively, how much time are we spending in these basic areas of our life, and are we... Are we being fair to ourselves and fair to our potential and how we've allocated that?
0: I, I like that you said, are we being fair to our potential? Because so much of young adulthood is preparing for how God may use you into the future, not just now, but into the future. So what are some of those time-wasting things that you think are temptations for young adults to give themselves to that really prohibit future potential?
1: Well, the, the easiest one is, and, and we've got a way to track it now, screen time, right? It's so not, the, screen, yeah. the time we just... Spend staring into our phones. Yeah, let's not talk about that. That's embarrassing. <laughs> if I look at mine, yeah, I don't yeah. think we need to pull those out no, right now. My, right no.
2: my fail safe is that I have to use my GPS to get a lot of
1: places, okay. and so yeah, that's I can pad a my good stats that's a little a bit. Good you know. excuse. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. kind of yeah. sounds like the staff person says my email is on my phone, right? <laughs> so I'm checking my email or whatever, you know. But so screen time, I think it, yep. it used to be television. You know, yep. that used, you know, uh, just wasted time, if you will. There, kind of mm. mindless time. And I'm certainly one of those that thinks you ought to. You know, have downtime and have time to refresh. But really, it's how much time are you spending in genuine conversation and relationship with other folks? Yep. And and how much time are you really spending in the Word? Uh, and then how much time are you spending educating yourself? So much part of being a young adult is preparing yourself both emotionally and mentally for those next stages. And that's wow. that's a part of an ongoing, continuing education process that you have to be intentional about. No one. You don't naturally become wiser or more intelligent in a certain area. You've got to be intentional in that.
2: Yeah, and and as this is this is a, a kind of a segue, kind of in some ways. But as a as a steward of your role as, at the Arkansas Baptist Foundation, how are you stewarding young leaders to come into into the, the, the organization of the Arkansas Baptist Foundation?
1: One of the things we set out really three years ago was to say as a board and as a, as a leadership staff is that how could we create the best environment possible for folks that are primarily trained in the area of legal, finance, accounting to actually serve in ministry in a, in a professional, vocational way yeah. and to really experience a call to ministry. One of the things I love about this year's theme Fulfill Your Call is that it's not just a traditional call to ministry. Again, I live in a, I work every day in an office space with nine young professionals for the most part that, again, I feel like are genuinely called to ministry, Mm. but didn't go through a traditional ministry calling setting. They were equipped with professional or secular skills, even some folks would say, but they're using it in a ministry setting, speaking into the lives of pastors, speaking in the lives of churches. And so it's been phenomenal for us to see that. It's been phenomenal for us to see young people have a desire to do that and that's one of the things that i I actually love most about this next generation Mm. is that i actually think they're searching out impact much more so than my generation wow my generation was chasing traditional things kind of the the golden rings the carrots if you will the the financial things and i actually think the current generation is much more concerned about am i making an impact am i being true to myself Mm. and so that's what's wonderful. We, we've we a, developed a great partnership with Washita. We've actually, Dr. and I have joked a little bit, we've hired 15 Washita grads in a row. Wow. Uh, either into an internship or in mentor program. Yeah, uh, just since 2015 since I've been there. That's so we've crazy. had a tremendous amount of folks come through, and then we've seen several of those go on and be placed in other areas. Uh, and we've even been a kind of a stop gap or gap year for some. They're coming out of undergrad, preparing to go to law school, but they want a ministry or business experience in advance of that. And so we're able to provide both of those, Mm. uh, provide kind of that in-depth legal or business experience, but in a ministry setting uh, where you know that every decision you make, every conversation you have is having a tangible impact on a ministry outcome. And, and what you're really talking about is developing
0: some of those talents. Right. So stewardship is time, talents, and then, of course, the financial piece. And so what would you say as a young adult to be a good steward uh, steward of the talents that you have? What are some things that they could do in their life that develop those talents and deploy those talents
1: well? Well, self-assessment and self-awareness, first of all. Wow. you got to be aware of what those are, what areas in which has God uniquely equipped you Whether those would be spiritual gifts. I mean, we hear the Enneagram number all the time, right? I'm an 8 wing seven. No surprise to anyone that knows me. All right? But uh, so part of that is just understanding how God has built you, how you're made. Uh, But also, I think discernment is the superpower Mm. of all spiritual gifts. Wow. Uh, And so understanding, you know, is it exhortation? Is it faith? Is it administration? Is it discernment? Where do your spiritual gifts, uh, where have they been placed in your life? which ones have been cultivated and which ones have been neglected. Yeah, uh, And so that awareness and then the ability, Warren Gass and I were talk- talking about this yesterday, the willing to submit yourself to evaluation, Yeah, kind of that self-assessment mm. or to allow someone to help you discover those. That's good. Uh, we've challenged each and every one of the young people that have either come on as an intern or joined our mentoring program or come on as an employee uh, or staff member to say, look, part of coming on board is that, we're, we're going to go through this assessment and not just to check a box and put it in a file, but to really unpack that and understand how can we design an existence here for you at the foundation that best uses your gifts. Yeah. That's good. Well, it's, I, I want to, I think, I mean, so this next generation, our, our Gen
2: Z right now, who is is coming into the workforce right now, um, there you have a lot of questions about money. Right. I mean, I'm a millennial. I have a lot of questions right. about money. We want to know answers to questions like you know how much student loan debt isn't worth getting the education for that's a good question you know what i mean like stuff yeah. like that right and so kind of kind of fill us in and maybe some trends that you see for the near future for this generation right. uh, and then maybe even just some biblical foundations for how to manage finances okay great
1: so i think biblically we have to remind folks of who owns the money yeah. who owns the resource i mean so many times we want to act like an owner yeah. Part of being a steward is the acknowledging. Bank, the bank does for mine. Well so. yeah, I understand. Yeah, I'm talking about I'm talking about beyond the bank. I'm talking about understanding that I've been you know, stockpiling gold for about five years. Yeah, yeah, I don't I'm just kidding. I don't want to hear that. But anyway I'm just uh, that really, you know, that God owns it and that, you know, it, to the extent that He's provided any of it to filter through our life, yeah. that didn't that didn't happen accidentally. Yep. And so just that perspective I think will help us. But then also whether you're twenty or whether you're eighty you're going to struggle with the question of how much is enough. Mm. Yeah. You know, how much word. is enough for my lifestyle? And so I'm not trying to be discouraging. I want us to be hopeful, but that question is not going to go away. Yeah. And in fact, that how much is enough question only becomes a bigger question as life evolves. Because wow. when, you know, when you're early in life and, and there's not a lot of variables, maybe it's just you by yourself or you and a spouse or whatever the case may be, the how much is enough is a is a pretty easy thing to figure but when you have kids in the equation and you start thinking about what is their education cost and those type of things. So trying to put some guardrails around how much is enough and kind of define, you know, we say live, give, owe, grow. Okay. You're going to spend a certain amount of just live, just of living expenses. We all are going to have a finite amount of living expenses. Uh, we should all give. We should give back to God what is God's. Uh, and so we should all give in a way that's deemed to be generous. Uh, we're all ultimately going to owe things. Whether we owe it to the bank, whether we owe student loans, whatever the case, inevitably debt ends mm-hmm. up being part of our life at some point. And then hopefully we're attempting to grow that uh, so that we can have a future, so that we can provide for ourselves financially in the future. And we'll never be financially independent from God. Yeah. yeah. But but we at least want to create a situation to where we can be financially functional. You yeah. know, yeah. so many times I think folks create a financial dependency on God that makes them dysfunctional. Wow. And so we want to avoid that. Yes. But So elaborate
0: on that, a financial dependency on God that makes them dysfunctional.
1: You know, it's like sometimes we've observed circumstances in which uh, individuals may make decisions by saying, this is a decision of faith and that I'm almost going to financially bankrupt myself, if you will. And test God on it. And knowing that I'm going to test God to provide for me tomorrow. And so I do think there's settings in which God can show up in miraculous ways there. I don't know that that's a sound stewardship principle is to continually test God in those ways. And so I do think he he makes us wise in certain areas so that we can no longer be unwise in our actions. Wow. And so, and I think this is one of those areas. There's some basic biblical principles around... You know spending less than you earn that's a pretty basic thing <laughs> and you know it's kind of it's kind of like burn more calories what? than you consume you know that's kind of you know how you lose weight you know but with so that you know spend less than you earn and when it comes to living expenses that's where you've got to start if your lifestyle is above what you make then there's some choices you've made there that are going to put you on a path that is really hard to recover from also, again, just being generous. I mean, yeah. I think God, our God's a God of abundance, not scarcity. The mm. world would convince us that money is scarce, resources are scarce, we should hold tightly, any of it that comes through our grubby hands, right? Mm. Well, God says, no, we should be open-handed, we should be generous. And so, again, I think that's a pretty easy principle. Um, avoid the use of debt where you can. I know, again, student loan, buying a home, some, buying a car, some of those things are unavoidable. Where you can, I would encourage you to avoid the use of debt. Um and then the grow part, and I realize it's difficult when you're young, but part of that's just building some liquidity, having an emergency fund, you know, having a three months' worth of living expenses that you can get your hand on if you do have that medical crisis, if you do have that need that emerges that you think God's prodding you to financially respond to, mm-hmm. you've at least set aside a resource that allows you to respond. My dad told me, he said, Seth, I hit a $100 bill in your car, and when you
2: need it, you call me. Hey, wow. That's pretty cool. I tore that car apart and I found it.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How long did it take you to find it? It took
1: took a little while. He probably did more than $100 worth of damage find $100, but anyway. I
0: I think one thing that's interesting, you you talked about self-assessment, and self-assessment really comes into play on all three of those areas, time, talent, and financial responsibility. And so you're assessing your time. how, How am I using my time to glorify God well? Your talent. And where am I gifted, and how am I using those gifts? And then assessing your budget and it's your finances, and how you're using those things to glorify God. So
1: yeah, it's very difficult to draw any conclusion about that if you have no idea what you're spending on your living expenses. Wow! Like if you're just ignorant of that, or if you have no idea, what am I giving? You know, I give when I feel like it. Well, that's that's not a good giving strategy. Uh, or even oh, like if you just say, "Why well, just pay the minimum on my debt." Yeah. and you don't have a comprehension of how much you owe or how long it's going to take you to pay it back, you have to be cognizant of those things. You have mm-hmm. to intentionally want to be aware in order to institute any sort of plan. So mo-
0: most young adults don't have a great understanding of financial practices that are healthy. Where- where's a place that they can go to get some of those resources?
1: Yeah, so we have a very basic uh, video resource really just on our website, abf.org uh, forward slash resources. There's a stewardship tab there. Uh, and there's also a biblical financial stewardship video. It's just a quick, sketch effect video. If you've seen those, you know. And so, uh, and as corny as that may sound at times, sometimes it's being quiet, sitting still, watching it on your phone, you know, give yourself two or three minutes to say, okay, have I done any of these things? Yeah. And it's packed with scripture and where the basis of biblical financial stewardship comes from.
0: That's really good. That's really yeah. good. I think a lot of times people just don't know where to go for
2: the right
1: information. Absolutely,
2: and I, I want to add as we're, we've got to sum this up and, and kind of put a bow on this episode. But I want to add that that Bobby and the Arkansas Baptist Foundation are really investing in your generation, you all that are listening. Like he's he's equipping these young leaders and then sending them out. It's not he's not even hoarding the, the, these human resources that are working for him. He's sending them out. to to influence the world and change the world. And I would just encourage you, like take your time, your talents, your finances, be a part of a church that's a sending church that will send you out to influence the world for change. And also find a place, if if you're still choosing a place to work or to to be investing your your time and resources, get plugged into places that are going to be investing in you as a resource to influence the world for, for the kingdom of God. And so I, I, I love what you're doing, Bobby. Uh, I encourage others to, to look at the way that the ABF functions and, and to emulate that because it is it is good for the kingdom of God. Man,
1: thank you, Seth. Yeah.
0: We've talked about finances a little bit, and uh, I want to just close by saying... One way that you could absolutely spend your finances well is by giving $30 and going to Lead Defend. Lead Defend's coming up on February 29th, uh, 2020. Lead Day. And so make your plans to go to Lead Defend. You can go to leaddefend.org for information. Spend that $30 well. Hey, we will check you next time. Thank you, Bobby, for joining us. Thanks, bro. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. Until next time, check out our website at leaddefend.org for details on the next Lead Defend conference, or shoot Seth and Ryan an email at leaddefend@absc.org. If you want to help us out, rate and review Lead Defend on your podcast app, and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Now go lead.
1: A podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention.